Hello and welcome to Noodle Pros. I'm Brendan Mernon, Senior Director for Recruiting and Tutor Engagement and Quality, and I'm in Brooklyn, New York, and I'm speaking today uh, with Ashley Bell, who's with us from Manhattan, where, um, where she lives most of the time when she's not traveling. Uh, so Ashley is a, a Noodle Pro uh, for a couple of years now, and she, as I said, is a New York City resident, and she has been tutoring a lot of things, but, but also, uh, for sure, languages um, for over 15 years now. Um, she can speak quite well, Italian, Spanish, French, and, and even German, and she has traveled all over. Uh, to a great extent uh, in her work as a professional opera singer, which she has done in Spain, Italy, around the US and in France. She's been a professional opera singer for over 12 years. And those two um, interests and, and careers have kind of worked in, in tandem for her, the, the, the teaching and learning languages and the opera singing. And uh, she helps students ages approximately 10 uh, to adult, and so I'm glad to have you with us today, Ashley, to talk about learning languages uh, during COVID time. Thanks so much for having me today. All right, and if you're watching this on um, our Noodle Pros YouTube channel, then be sure to subscribe, hit the subscribe button below so that you can uh, get updates on new videos from Noodle Pros. And I'll just jump in, Ashley, and ask you some of the questions that we've been getting from parents and students uh, since uh, this, this quarantine and, 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 and virus crisis uh, started uh, because people's education is a little bit disrupted, switched to online or sometimes just interrupted or school year is ending early or people don't have summer opportunities ready to roll that they thought they were gonna have and um, just they're asking questions about how, how languages might fit in to what they're trying to do in, in, in the, the immediate short and long term. So, um, you know, right off the bat, like why, um, you know, we know that languages are one of the sort of five core academic subjects in most people's high school careers, but like more broadly, um, you know, why is it important to you just in your experience or, or working with students to learn a language other than the one that you grew up speaking and writing? Well, I guess for me, the real excitement about language came, although I had studied French and Latin in middle and high school, when I went to Italy to perform when I was 16 and couldn't speak the language. And I felt that it wasn't right for me to expect people to speak English. And I feel the power of language is as a window into other cultures. And it gives you a way to embrace other cultures where they are and understand their viewpoints in a way that can only be done in their own language. For example, if you read newspapers, even about things that are going on in the United States, it's gives you an entire perspective of how we are viewed in the rest of the world, but also in terms of your relationships with people that you meet from other countries. I've found that I've been able to develop relationships with people that are very deep because 
they appreciate that I'm making the effort to speak their language or they're excited and I'm able to connect with them in a different way. Well, that sounds really, really interesting. Um, yeah, I guess in a, in, a, in a time when we're sort of um, by choice and, and by necessity socially isolated, it would be a, a learning a language would be maybe pushing back against that and doing just the opposite and sort of fighting against that isolation to connect with others. You know, Definitely. Um, you know, and, and I mean, I've, I've been to Italy also and I, and I don't speak Italian and I'm sure that uh, my, you know, my experience there would have been, I had a great time, but it would probably have been a lot richer had I, had I known the language. Um, why, why would somebody want to do it, you know, want to do it now if I were a parent of a high school student or, or just like even me, like, let's say I think to myself, you know, hmm, I might have some time the next few months um, why don't I actually learn Spanish, which I've been sort of kicking around my head for, you know, a number of years. Why would now be a good time for that? Well, for kids, I think it's definitely a good chance to show some leadership, doing things on your own initiative, especially if you decide to learn a new language. Colleges definitely will look at that positively on your resume. Uh, it will show intellectual curiosity and that you're motivated to do things beyond just what you're learning in the classroom. But also like if you're close to going to college, for example, you might be able to use the language to pass out of the language requirement and then either take more advanced classes in college, which are much more interesting. For example, my favorite class I took in college was an Italian class about science and literature. Um, and we read like everything from Galilei to like Italo Calvino. Um, and I find that the beginning classes and intermediate classes on a college level are sometimes very difficult, especially if you already know the language, you have to wake up at eight or, or nine and it's five days a week. So that might be an impetus to some kids to want to pass out of the language and get to the more interesting language classes. I actually remember those eight and nine, <laughs> five days a week language classes. And I always wondered why they scheduled them then. I, you know, it just seemed know. to be the way with those. Definitely. And for adults, I think it's the perfect time now because language really requires commitment, not just once a week, like a lot of classes that are offered in the city, because you really need the immersion. And so the benefit of being able to do a little bit every day is really the most beneficial for your brain. And especially when we have so much more time at home, it's a good chance to do so that. You just said immersion. I mean, here I am, you know, stuck in the, you know, the same four walls most of the time. How do I achieve something like immersion given those circumstances? And like, what, how is that different from, you know, the way languages typically are learned in, in like a school situation, you know, at least here in the, in the States? So yeah, in a, in a school situation, I feel that a lot of times it's 15 or 20 kids in a class and the actual amount of speaking time that each student will get is maybe one or two minutes per class. And I feel strongly that language is so much about speaking. I mean, it comes from the Latin root lingua for tongue. Um, and you can, even myself, like when I, I actually majored in Italian in college and I could write papers in Italian, but when I wanted to study abroad in my junior year, I wasn't able to form the kind of relationships with people in the country that I wanted to until I really was forced to not know what I had to say and make mistakes in trying to do the language. Mm. Um, and that actually 
really helped me because of the emotional connection of embarrassing myself and it's going to be a mistake that I'm not going to make again. Like I remember when I was in Italy, I wanted to get an herbal tea. And so I said the word like tea without caffeine, te senza caffeina, but like they had no idea what I was talking about. And so first I realized that like, not only do they not use the word caffeina for like the caffeine and some tea, they have the word teina, but they don't even like call it a tea at all. If it's an herbal tea, like the word is tisana. So, <laughs> so that's something I'm not going to forget because I kept trying like multiple times to express myself. Right, so there you are saying it over and over. It's that sort of thing. Like if I say it louder, maybe they'll understand <laughs> exactly. faster, slower, you know, <laughs> and then it's just not working no matter what. <laughs> There is, by the way, I mean, whatever, there is actually an old Steve Martin from the 1970s comedy routine about this exact sort of thing of like the American abroad just doing it all the wrong way. But of course, in that case, the American abroad never gets it and fix it. It's just like, well, there's something wrong with you. Yes. Uh, and, and, you know, but I, this is really, really interesting to me. Like, so can you like, um, you're talking a little bit about the power of mistakes. And, yes. You know, and mistakes being a sort of like, um, like a, like, a, like a social interaction and how that re relates to, I guess, memory and sort of imprinting on the brain and how that could be done well, as opposed to, I would imagine like some people, they make a mistake and like, I hate this language, I hate this subject, I don't ever wanna do this again. How do you, you know, how do you navigate that if you're a student, like be, being okay with the mistakes? Yeah, it, it was very challenging for me because I got really good grades in all of my Italian classes in college and then I, didn't want to say anything unless I was sure the grammar was perfect. Mm -hmm. And I really wasn't speaking enough, like when I was living abroad there. Um, and I had to come up with words for like can opener. And if I didn't know what it was, you have to be creative and like explain what a can opener does. Mm -hmm. um, so it's also good for your brain in terms of creativity. Like if you don't know the word, it gets your brain to work to like explain what the word is and still be able to communicate. Um, and I think that is just something that it's going to be very beneficial for students, especially students who are used to getting like really high scores and everything because, and I, I've encountered that with some of my students, like this one student that I have does not want to, he just wants to like memorize words and he doesn't want to just listen to the radio or, or other assignments that I give. And I'm like, you're going to start learning words just by being exposed to them. Like when I was attending classes, completely in Italian at the University of Bologna. I didn't, I would understand like words that I could pick out maybe for the first three weeks. And all of a sudden after a month, I was like, oh, I understand everything that is going on. But it wasn't like me going home and like writing down every single word. It was just like the more I heard it, the more it just started to sink into the brain. Th those first three weeks, did you just like cry? Like, like, oh my God, I don't understand <laughs> any of this. How am I gonna, or I understand like every fourth word, what do I do? Like, I mean, did, how, I, did you, how did you manage that emotionally? I just kept going. And one thing that's very interesting is that you realize that you get very tired when you're spending all day speaking another language that I forget even every time I go abroad because your brain is working so much. So you, it's just kind of exhausting, actually, if you're doing it yeah. like all day. Um, but yeah, it was definitely frustrating, but I just kept trying to do it. And even with my other friends who were studying abroad, I made the commitment to only speak in Italian to them as well, even though mm -hmm. they're American, because mm -hmm. I thought that would just facilitate it better. That probably helped a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I did live for a time, you know, five months or six months in um, 
in France and I had taken French up until then and I never got fluent, but I got pretty good at French. And I can remember, you know, I was studying, I had this deal where I was getting tutored by somebody in French in exchange for like a job or something. It was like a barter situation. And I remember at one point I got frustrated with the teacher trying to get me to speak French better. And I remembered I got mad at her and I was like, okay, I'm going to speak like the cartoon character who's, who's making you know, like the cartoon character, like American making fun of someone speaking French. And as soon as I did that, she was like, perfect. That's exactly it. And then I was like, oh, all right. So I like can't hold back here. And I have to almost like make fun of myself speaking French and then just fall into it all the way. And then, it, and then it'll kind of work out. You know, I, I thought I remember just being like, oh, wow. So that is actually what she wants. I was like, I'll give her what she wants. And she's like, exactly. So it kind of backfired on me, you know, but how do you, how do you, um, when you're tutoring somebody, how do you, not without giving away all your secrets, but like, how do you motivate a kid to want to do that in Italian or French or Spanish, want to like take that risk like, I mean, I guess in that moment when I was in France, I was taking the risk to actually try to be French for a moment. Like I was, I was pretending to be like this imagined French character, but in a way that's what I needed to be. Like I had to give myself permission to kind of be French. And I, and I had to be comfortable with that as like my self identity that I could kind of pretend to be French for a moment. How do you give students the courage to do that or help them find that? Well, one way to do it is if they're afraid to try just keep speaking, if they're saying it to you in English, just keep speaking back to them in the other language and not reverting to English, even if they do. So then they're kind of forced to at least understand what you're saying and not, and not answering them if they don't get it. So it's like, it's really completely doing the, only the other language with them. Um, and also it may be finding, one of the things I tell some students to do is find a show or a film that you know really well in the language and see if there is audio available in the language that you're trying to learn okay and then put the subtitles in the language so okay. you're both hearing it and it's it's best if it's already something that you know because you know the film so well okay. so you're watching the film and also seeing the written form of a language so it's doubly reinforcing it so that's one way that students i, I recommend oh so you can pick that up you know pretty well that's nice i get that i know my older daughter when she was improving quickly in spanish she was watching a lot of um like latin american television shows yes and she felt like that helped her a lot you know once she got to a certain point and could understand enough then then she felt like that was helping her her uh, a lot so what what about what do you say to people who i mean i understand that not everybody has the same capacity to do all things and some people could have like a severe um, you know, problem, but people who are within the, you know, a, a reasonable range, like what if somebody says, well, I'm just bad at languages, you know, what, what, what do you say to people like that? I think it's more about maybe they've had bad teachers or teachers that haven't connected with them because as we know in tutoring, like everyone has a different learning style. So it's about finding the way that resonates the most with them, like with some students, I, that are visual learners. I try to help them make flashcards that are visual in terms of words, like doing pictures with the words so that they can identify them with an image. Um, and I also think it's connected to what we were talking about before, that the fact that they don't get much chance to speak 
in large classes is difficult and the way we teach language here is heavily focused on grammar mm -hmm. which is important but it's not important when you're going to another country and want to communicate with people as much can you tell me more about that what do you mean well i feel at least the language classes like even the language classes i took in college like i knew a lot of grammar and i was like reading dante in italian but i don't know the word for can opener for example mm -hmm. or uh, other tools in the kitchen um, and and in uh, just out of curiosity you you've been to italy and france and spain you know the french are said to be unforgiving you know toward people trying to speak their language and, and you know my experience you know there you know on the ground this is a long time ago now but was if you tried people were nice to you like as opposed to the stereotype but like what's your experience in terms of like people's receptiveness in those places toward an american trying to you know to speak the language like what are, are, are people receptive in those places and you know what can you do to to cause people to be maybe more receptive um i have to say people were extremely receptive in italy but i i specifically chose to go to bologna and not to florence in florence for example i like i speak to the people in italian and they write they speak back in english it's like a war because they have so many tourists so right. especially if you really want to learn the language once it's safe again to travel, I recommend going to a small town, not one that's used to as many tourists, because okay. then they're not trying to show off their English that right. they learned the tourists. Right. Um, but most of the time, even when I go to Italian restaurants here, I always try to talk to the chef or something if he's Italian. People are very excited to know that you um, took the time. And I also worked as an interpreter um, in hospitals for languages. And I found that even if some of the people spoke English, they felt the security of having an interpreter there because it was just like an emotional comfort level of being able to have their own language. So I do think that- well, That makes sense in a hospital because there's so much to keep track of already yeah. that if you're then also trying to get it, you know, in the language that that would be even harder. Yes. And having an interpreter there would make that easier. Uh, what, what about like, it sounds like you got kind of serious about languages in high school and college. Um, sometimes, sometimes people think maybe they're too old. Like if I really, you know, I'm certainly well past high school. Could I learn Spanish decently now? Definitely. It's all about the way that you learn. And like I mentioned, like the immersion. So instead of doing like the once a week to do a little bit every day, but making sure that you're also being exposed to actual uh, native speakers or actual language contact, not something like Duolingo where it's all written, but something where you're actually like reading real newspapers or watching real live news or real TV shows. Um, and it is true, like I remember learning this in a cognitive science class that the brain at age 13 closes off a part, but it just means that the language is in a different part of the brain than when you were younger. So mm -hmm. it's harder, like you were saying, to do the accent. The accent is harder, but you can still become fluent when you're an adult at all different ages. Yeah, and, and as my experience is like, if you just try to act like a comedian, the accent gets a little exactly. <laughs> Totally. <laughs> I don't know if it was funny, but it worked. You know, and it probably wasn't, it probably wasn't funny. 
But um, so for people who I, I, I like this 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 idea of like initiative and you know back to sort of people who might be you know high school freshmen or, or sophomores or juniors um, you know and and a lot of people are kicking around with not that much to do this summer. So back to kind of where we were in the beginning, like so this would be kind of a thing where where a college might look at it and say, oh wow, you took it upon yourself to learn you know Portuguese this summer. That's really interesting. Why did you do that? And, and that you're saying would be, you know, colleges might look favorably upon that. Definitely, yeah. And it could be something that you bring up in one of your essays and your reason for doing so. Perhaps you know some people in your community from the country or if there's a specific reason for the language that you chose, that can make for a very interesting essay. And also it, it really shows initiative and intellectual curiosity and in that you really want to grow beyond just what you're required to do but you're yeah. just interested in learning for the sake of learning, not just because you have to. Right, and, and I, I know that for sure, like if people are interested in, in learning a language, they can contact us here at Noodle Pros um, and work you know, directly with you or one of our other language tutors. But what are some, some places you know, on the internet or maybe in communities that people can, can find resources that would be somewhat helpful, you know, without sort of advertising for companies, but what would be a, some, good, some good resources for that, that, that are things that people would find to help them learn languages? There are um, online like cafes where you can talk with actual people. Okay. Also, I recommend watching the content like I meant I mentioned before radio like for each specific language there are different ones but radio is actually the best of all because you don't have the visual to help you mm -hmm. and so you really have no idea what's going on unless you know the words and so, so you try to find like French radio you know yes. uh, broadcasts on your computer and, and yeah. see what what turns up and if you listen to news or you listen to stuff about entertainment or sports or politics or whatever you would pick up a lot yes definitely that makes sense um and rosetta rosetta stone is um it's pretty good i feel like it doesn't have enough structure for me. It's it's really full immersion, but it, it mm -hmm. seems like they expose things too soon and you don't have like any basis of grammar until later. Whereas mm -hmm. I think that you kind of need both. Yeah, I, and I don't know what your experience is, but I found when I was in Quebec, it was easier for me to understand the French because people were speaking it in kind of a North American accent. <laughs> and it was a little bit easier for me personally. So I, I think if I do that, I might, I might try to pick up some, uh, some Montreal or Quebec City content that might help Yes. Me. Yeah, when I studied Spanish, I actually went to a school in Guatemala, Antigua, Guatemala. And that was actually the easiest to understand. So if, if you guys are learning Spanish, I definitely recommend because it has a very neutral accent and it, it's pretty easy to understand. So Guatemalan um, media is very good. And as you said, the benefit sometimes of, um, of, of listening to outlets that are, in, that are in other languages or from other countries, you would get a different perspective on events that you're experiencing you know, from an American point of view, and that might be really enriching. And I would imagine that right now, given what's going on, that would be particularly interesting. Yes, definitely. Well, there's, even a, there's even a site I used to translate for where their whole goal is translating articles about the US from other countries. So they have a whole website like Watching America and everything is 
what other countries think of the U.S. all the way from like Asia to the Middle East to Latin America, Europe. That sounds really interesting. Well, this all sounds great. Um, if people want more information about uh, learning languages uh, now or ever, you know, during quarantine or at any time, uh, you can definitely reach out to us uh, at Noodle Pros. That's www.noodlepros.com, N-O-O-D-L-E-P-R-O-S. Uh, and if you're watching this video on YouTube, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel to get uh, connected to more of these videos and, and the content that we're putting out. So thank you, Ashley, for being here today to explain some of the benefits of learning languages during quarantine and how to go about it. Um, enjoy your tutoring and stay safe and hopefully we'll talk soon. Thanks so much for having okay. me. Okay, you're welcome. Bye, Ashley. Bye.